And those people are like you and I, and we stick around and we get through the tough times and we're not here to make a quick buck. We're not here to turn a profit in 10 episodes or six episodes on an iPhone in a library. You got to put in the work. And I, I, I'm a craftsman. I'm an artist. I love to make things. I love to try new things. I love to do that kind of thing. That's why I love podcasting because there's always something new to learn. Yeah. But people who come into this and all they want to do is make money. And that's, that's almost everybody that's coming in now. It's like, I want to be an influencer. I want like Instagram is going away. Twitter's gone. Facebook, man. So what's new podcasting? Where can I be an influencer today? I'm going to be an influencer in podcasting because that's the new hotness. And yeah. they come in and they find out, well, you know, stick your butt in the mirror in the bathroom. You can take a picture and get a thousand likes. A lot harder on a podcast. <laughs> Thanks for pressing play. That voice you just heard is our guest, podcast legend, Jason DeFilippo. That's right. He's back. And this is Christopher Lockhead, Follow Your Different, where we aspire to have real dialogues that celebrate the people, companies, and ideas that stand out. And we hope these conversations... Um, we hope you find them practical, inspirational, and fun, and help you on the road less traveled. We're sponsored by the good folks at Oracle NetSuite. Learn how to turbocharge the growth of your business today at netsuite.com different. That's netsuite.com different. Also off the top, I want to say a gigantic, uh, heartfelt thank you. We've had the craziest thing going on for the last little bit around here, and that's that um, uh, you haven't heard me talk about, uh, you know, sort of rankings or downloads or any of those things because in general, I don't pay any attention to them. But I woke up recently and um, there was a note on Facebook from Kevin Miller uh, at the Ziegler Show and actually, interestingly enough, a, a note from Jason on Twitter that this podcast or oddcast had broken into the top 200 overall. That's right. There's over 700,000 podcasts. And according to Chartable, uh, we've been in the top 200 for a while and we've charted as high as number 23, out charting even Oprah for a while. So I'm not exactly sure what's happening. I, I don't know what, what happened, but what I do know is this. We did complete our um, recently our first ever listener survey, and the people who are participated in the survey, over 80% of you said that you heard about this podcast from a friend. So we seem to have hit some magical tipping point. And listen, if you'd said to me we'd be a top 200 business podcast, I would have said that was a big, hairy, audacious goal, and that would be an absolute dream come true. To say that we've broken the top 200 out of 700,000 podcasts overall, uh, I'm just stunned. So all I can tell you is thank you for making us a gigantic success, and I'm not confused. Um, our success is due in large part to the fact that you tell people about this podcast, and you not only got us into the top 200, but at least for a moment had us out charting Oprah. So thank you, thank you from the bottom of my whiskey-stained heart. All right, uh, Jason DeFilippo is back. He's a podcast legend. He is the host of one of my top five favorite podcasts, a podcast I highly recommend called Grumpy Old Geeks. He's the executive producer and co-host of the Jor Jordan Harbinger Show, one of the biggest podcasts out there. And Jason's also the former producer of Tim Ferriss. This guy's the guy, and we get our grump on, and we have a ton of fun talking podcasting, talking about who should be allowed at Disney World, 
Uh, Jason has a, if you heard the um, Morgan Wright episode where Morgan and I talked about FaceApp and scary stuff the Russians are doing, uh, he has an opinion about that that's pretty interesting to listen to and a lot more. You can find the show notes for this episode at lockhead.com and uh, more about Jason. And with that said, hey-ho, let's go. Oh, Chris, podcasting is dead. The golden age of podcasting is over. What are we going to do? What are we going to go back to? Are we going to go back to reading the back of milk cartons? I don't know. Uh, this New York Times article was the latest, I think, in the the barrage. I, mean, I, I read another Medium article this morning where everybody's saying, podcasting is dead. Podcasting is dead. What are we going to do? And podcasting, well, not dead. Not dead at all. The people who think podcasting is dead, I mean, they're carpetbaggers. They're these tourists who come through and spend like an hour or so learning about the industry and then think, oh, well, there's a lot of them now. This kind of looks like blogging used to be. It must be dead now. And it's, it's ridiculous. The funny thing is, I'm just trying to grab the data as we're talking, the Edison data, but I mean, podcast growth in terms of listeners is extraordinary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, and so more can, like where I think we're over... Stick? Am I remembering this right? I think we're over 40% of Americans regularly consume a podcast now. I'm not going to, well, since most statistics are made up on the spot, I'm not going to pull no, I'm not. I'm not just pulling that out of my heat, yeah. my hoo-hoo. Uh, okay, here's, this is from um, podcastinsights.com. 51% have listened to a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where is it? I thought there was stats on how often... Uh, 50% of all homes are podcast fans. Yeah, here's the deal. The hockey stick is going up. And how can you say when the hockey stick is going up that it's dead? Or, you know, the the golden age is over? It makes no sense. I mean, if you were in a startup and your revenue was going up, would you say, "Uh uh-oh, we're at peak, we're dead, you know? Well, look at it. You could have said, I don't know. I'll pick a time. You could have picked a time, I think, roughly in the 80s as cable really blew up. You know, I'm, I think if, if I'm remembering right, it started in the late 70s, but cable really got going in the 80s and MTV and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so it would have been very easy to, at the height of cable TV, when MTV and all that stuff was starting, ESPN was getting going, all that was happening, right? CNN and the other news networks, um, to say, well, you know, this is the golden age of television and like, this is it. After this, this is it. Right? Yeah. You could have easily said that. Yeah, just go out to the barn and hang yourself. It's not going to get any better anymore. Yeah, and the thing that I wonder is, uh, this is a thing I'm fascinated by and I would love to get your thoughts on it. So depending on whose numbers you want to believe, there's somewhere between 700 and 750,000 podcasts. Those are the numbers I've seen. Have you seen any different than that? No, that's about, that's about what it is. Yeah. And that, to, to clarify that number, that is the number that is registered in the Apple podcast directory. That's yeah. where everybody's getting their numbers from, which has been around, you know, for a coon's age, as they say. And most of those shows are dead shows. There well, aren't that the, many podcasts. That's the, this is what I wanted to ask you. Um, yeah. So we have this, this industry phrase, pod fade, right? Oh, uh, don't, don't, don't use that word. Oh, no. is that a bad word? I don't know. <laughs> it's just, it, it's a, Dumb word. 
Okay, it's, well, whatever. Abandon. They're, they're no, abandoned. No, it's just like people stop podcasting. It doesn't mean they fade away. You know, it's, you know, it's better to burn out than fade away. No, I mean, I love the shit that makes stop you stop podcasting. I love it. I mean, so did, dead pods, zombie casts, or whatever. There's yeah. Well, I mean, so there's Nash about what two hundred and fifty that are active, something like that. Yeah, something like that. But I mean, you don't look at like a TV show like MASH and say, oh, MASH faded. It wasn't, you know, things like that. So it, I, terminology t- tweaks me sometimes. But yeah, I guess there I are inactive fade that hard. Yeah, there's, there are inactive shows. But there are some shows that are evergreen that are still awesome. Like you look at, I think it was The History of Rome is a good one to always pull out. Fantastic podcast that had a start and an end can stay in there and be there forever. But, you know, it was a weekly absolutely news. cool. Yeah, yeah, but no, if you're talking about a weekly news show that stopped going, well, that's that's a dead show. No, nobody cares about old news. It's stale. I enjoyed the one from. I'm almost positive it's ABC News on Theranos. Um, the dropout. Uh, dropout. Mm-hmm. I thought that was well done. Same thing. It's like a, I don't know how many it is, but maybe it's a dozen or something like that episodes. They tell the story and they're done, and that's it. It's a piece of work, and it sits there and. That's the end of it, and it's great. Yeah, it's a short-run series, yeah. and it's fantastic. It'll be there forever, like old miniseries, like Roots, you know? Yeah, you can always still, go back and watch Kunta Kinte and Roots. You know, I just had LeVar Burton on, on our other show, so I, I, I had Roots <laughs> on the brain. LeVar, by the way, one of the biggest sweethearts in the world. Love that guy. Oh, yeah? Why? He was just so genuine and nice. Walked in, gave everybody a hug, smiled, and we talked, and... Then gave I got a big hug from him on the way out because I was going to have a meeting with one of his friends and it was just he was a genuinely nice guy and he said fuck on our show so I was in. <laughs> I thought there was no swearing on the show. He was on, on Jordan's show. On Jordan's show. Every, we we let a few slide. If it's uh, Lavar Burton, he can come and say what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> well, when what a great name Lavar is. Yeah. Lavar. Yeah. Hi, I'm Lavar. Wow, that's a great <laughs> name right there. And I tell you what, that guy is stylish. Is that his name or is that his real name? Sorry, I think Zoom uh, is that a, up for a second. Is that his stage name or is that his real name? Do you know? I really don't know. I didn't ask because I don't, you know, sometimes you don't want to look behind the curtain. Yeah, right. Don't even tell me. But anyway, cool name. Very, very cool guy. It's, and it's awesome to see. Right. He was great in person. Sometimes, but back to the point, you know, you look at a, you look at a short run series and is that, does that pod fade? No, but I think that those should still be, they should be labeled as this is a short run series and standalone content. This yeah. is, you know, this is a thing. But when you look at shows that were weekly that go away, those should be removed from the index and not even counted anymore. Yes, I think that's right. I agree. I couldn't agree more. The, the other thing I find interesting with a, a lot of these, you know, podcasting is dead. The articles, they're not written from the perspective of listeners or consumers or customers. They're written from the perspective of podcasters and how competitive it is and how it's a lot harder. And that gal in the New York Times article, I was laughing because what do they put out? Six or eight episodes? Nothing. Yeah. Literally says, well, you know, we weren't getting very much sponsor interest or whatever. And she's like, they gave up after less than 10 episodes. Right. Yeah. No, I whoever found her. You put out six episodes and you'd be Oprah? Well, I mean, that was the running joke for Grumpy Old Geeks. It's like, if we don't make money, uh, by the time we hit 10 episodes, we're going to quit. And it took us till 200 to make a dime. 
So that that's where you show your grit. You know, if you really want to do it, you do it. She wanted to make money and be famous and they quit. That's fine. Yeah. But I, I think that they did the New York Times writer for that piece did her a disservice and threw her to the wolves. And I don't I don't really appreciate that at all. She certainly didn't I mean, make her look smart or or compelling, did she? I don't know. No. No. I didn't get a good uh, I didn't get a good impression of her, I should say. No, um, but I here's the deal. At least she tried. I mean, most people don't even try. I mean, she didn't try that hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean, my biggest complaint about the the whole thing with her is she had a microphone on a shock mount looking, you know, lustingly at the camera. Yes. No shock mount, but she had her elbow on the table. That is right. not a professional podcaster. If you're going to put your elbows on the table, at least get a shock mount. Come on. <laughs> you tell him, Jesus. Uh, yeah. The other thing I find interesting, being living where I live and sort of having the background that I have, I'm stunned by the number of companies that don't have podcasts, that aren't even mm -hmm. trying to be media companies yet, that don't understand that this is a very powerful way to connect and communicate with people. And uh, it's a very powerful way to demonstrate thought leadership. It's a very powerful way to gain prospects. You're having a hard time getting to a certain uh, type of prospect. Well, invite them on your podcast. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of reasons why corporate podcasting, I think, is in its infancy. I also think if I was an executive today, there's not a chance I wouldn't have an internal podcast. You know, if you're yeah. the CEO of a company or CMO or whatever you are, um, why wouldn't you have an internal podcast? Why wouldn't there be podcasts by department where we sit down with top salespeople and we share stories about how they won the big one and uh, developers, you know, you think about any kind of a um, uh, sort of a fireside chat you might do with your chief architect or whatever. Why wouldn't you have an internal series of these kinds of things? Uh, a couple of reasons on that one. I love the idea of the internal podcast. I think it's, you know, kind of like the, the daily meeting bulletin board thing. It's like, okay, here's what's happening in the company. Let's do a five-minute podcast that everybody can listen to in the morning. That's fantastic. But when I think when you're talking about a bigger company, I, I, I want to get back to that other thing in a second, but I, when you're talking about a bigger company, you have, let's say, 10,000 employees and you make a 30-minute podcast and you expect everybody to listen to that podcast how much are they going to spend in salary for that? That's like taking the entire company to a 30 minute meeting every day. Unless they, unless you're forcing them to listen to it on their own time. I can Maybe see from the, the number to only make it available after nine and five. So they have to listen to it on their <laughs> commuter at home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think some labor laws might get in a kerfuffle about that. Do you think people would just think it's their job to listen to it at work and not go to the meeting or do their work? I don't know. I mean, I think some people who are really like hardcore about the company would get into it and really dig it. But it, you can't make it mandatory for people to listen to. But I think that there might be a slippery slope with that. It's like, hey, have you listened to the new company podcast yet? And they're like, uh, no, I've been working. They're like, well, you need to stop <laughs> working and go listen to our podcast. You know, I can see, I can see, <laughs> I can see how it can be cool for, you know, announcements and things like that. Like, here's the state of the company, like state of the union address for the companies. But if you go overboard with it, I can see how, you know, that could actually impact the bottom line. If it's just like, Joe's got a deadline and he had to stop and listening to what Susie had to say. And Susie's, you know, rambling because she's never been on a podcast. So it could be worse than Slack for employee distraction and lack of uh, destruction of productivity. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I think if you run the numbers, it might be, but probably it's going to be, it, it, I mean, that's a, that's a photo finish right there. That's a photo finish.
But I think external facing uh, podcasts for companies are fantastic if you do them right. Doing them wrong is very easy. It's like, hey, today on the Charmin cast, we're talking double ply, you know? <laughs> you, can, you, can really, uh, you can really go wrong with that. So you have to do it right. There are some people that are really doing it right and some people that are really doing it wrong. Yes, amen, hallelujah. Now, um, something's been bothering you about tourists and carpetbaggers? Well, this comes into, this, it, it, the whole thing with the podcasting is dead started with basically the tourists, people coming and say, hey, what's this big podcasting thing? I want to get in on it. Then it moved into the carpetbaggers who were people who were trying to make a buck. Everybody wants to make a buck off of podcasting, which, you know, I can understand. It's expensive. It's hard. If you're doing it well, if you're going to be a top tier podcaster, yeah, it's, it's hard. It takes a lot of work, but people want to come in and be middlemen and say, hey, let's, let's create a new network. Let's be your ad salespeople. And they just want to whittle away at all the profits that were, are going to the artist again. This is the music business 2.0, I think. But why do we need any of those folks? Like We don't. I, well, that's my point. Like whenever I get approached by any of these people, I thank them for their interest and say, no, I don't want anybody selling ads for us. Or I don't want, I don't, I don't want any of that. The whole beauty of the whole thing is that on Grumpy Old Geeks, you guys get to do whatever you want. Yep. Right? And, and let the chips fall where they may. The thing is, we have been on networks because we got sucked in by those guys. We're like, oh, great. We get to do our show. We don't actually have to send any email to advertisers. We don't have to go out there and, you know, pimp our wares. People get sucked in by that. And we did too. And it's easy to say, okay, you know what? 60% of something is better than 0% of nothing. And then I don't have to do the work. But there's a lot of math that goes on to, into who's going to actually get the pieces of the pie. If you go into a network and you're not a big player in that network, you're going to get screwed. You're just going to get crumbs. <clears throat> and also the, the satisfaction of doing it on your own. I mean, you know, we've now been at this for about two and a half years. And... Mm -hmm. um, you know, here we are and it feels great. And, you know, hopefully we're earning our way. And, and so I don't know, isn't there a fucking satisfaction anymore with the, the, the process of building something and the process of sort of uh, learning and working and innovating and trying and failing and trying again and just, and you just keep banging away at something that for one reason or another, you enjoy or you're drawn to. You know what? There is. And those people are like you and I, and we stick around and we get through the tough times and we're not here to make a quick buck. We're not here to turn a profit in 10 episodes or six episodes on an iPhone in a library. You know, it's, you got to put in the work. And I, I, I'm a craftsman. I'm an artist. I love to make things. I love to try new things. I love to do that kind of thing. That's why I love podcasting because there's always something new to learn. Yeah. But people who come into this and all they want to do is make money. And that's, that's almost everybody that's coming in now. It's like, I want to be an influencer. I want, like Instagram is going away. Twitter's gone. Facebook, man. So what's new? Podcasting. Where can I be an influencer today? I'm going to be an influencer in podcasting because that's the new hotness. And yeah. they come in and they find out, well, you know, stick your butt in the mirror in the bathroom. You can take a picture and get a thousand likes. A lot harder on a podcast. A <laughs> lot harder on a I podcast. I, I probably have a thousand dislikes in my case, but yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, and like, hey, have at it, guys. But um, yeah, look, it's look, it's like anything, right? Mm-hmm. There are going to be a small number of people who are going to work at it and who are going to figure some stuff out and who are going to do things of value and hopefully make a difference in the world and and put some shit together. I mean, how long have you been podcasting? Seven years. Yeah, and when did Jason? When did um, uh, Jordan start? Thirteen and a half years ago, I think. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, you got to put in the time for it. But and here's the other problem. It's like it's like influencers on Instagram and Twitter and places like that that made a bunch of money. People see that brass ring and they come in and say, hey, I want that. Can I do that as fast as they did? And it's like, nope, sorry. The window of luck and opportunity has passed there, but people are going to keep trying while that window is closed and the house has been demolished. It's like, okay, I want to come in and, and you know, I want to have this type of podcast. I'm good at it. I've read the books. I can, you know, regurgitate everything else everybody's saying without a, you know, an honest opinion of my own or something new to actually give to the conversation. But I can start a podcast and put that out there and try and be an influencer. Well, good luck and quit whining when you can't make it. And don't say podcasting is dead because you didn't make it because you didn't bring an actual new thought to the conversation that we've all been having for, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah, look, it's, look I, I, I've learned anyway. It's just like anything else that is a creative pursuit, whether you want to be a musician or uh, you want to be a filmmaker or you want to be a writer or whatever it is. Um, look, there's no secret. You got to bang away at it. You got to get, get better and better at your craft. I think you, 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 you want to be known for a niche that you can own. So I think you need to think strategically about what you want to be known for and most importantly, what makes you different. Then you got to perfect your craft and then you got to figure out how to be creative around marketing because you got to get that piece right too. You got to, you've got to be able to do it all. Ask any author today and they'll say the same thing. They're stunned that they had to learn how to do marketing, right? Cause they thought being a, a successful author was about being a great writer. Well, that's a third of it, right? Here's the funny thing. I was actually thinking about this on my walk this morning because I knew we were going to be talking today. And I've been working on this podcast course and I, I brought it down to three pillars and it is, you know, it is basically the manual part, the mechanics of it. There's the art of it. And then there's the business of it. And the business when it comes to podcasting is basically marketing and selling ads in this current state, because we live in a CPM world, which we'll talk about in a second. But I was thinking about the whole marketing side of it. And when up until I was like 35, I hated marketers. Because I was a creator. I was an artist. I made things. And I'm like, the mar- they would bring in the marketing staff. And I'd be like, okay, here come the middlemen. They haven't made anything in their lives. And what are they going to do? They're going to take our profits and just try and take other people's money. And you're disgusting. I hate you. Go away. I'm going to go over here and make something fantastic. You guys just suck the blood out of everything we do. And then finally, I realized growing up, I finally had the grown-up moment where I'm like, I can make the greatest thing in the world, but if nobody sees it, who gives a shit? And I'm like, you bring the third leg to the table so it won't fall over because I can have the greatest mechanics, I can have the greatest art, but if nobody sees it, who cares? So come on in, brother. Yeah, it's like I had this a how long time ago, right? Which is, um, I like to play guitar. I can sing a song. I got about three or four notes in me. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, you know, so I make a decent noise. But what's the difference between me and Bruce Springsteen? Fans. Yep, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. 
fans. I have six or eight, maybe 12. But he has, I don't know, 50 million, 100 million, maybe more. I have no idea. He has millions and millions. <laughs> he has millions stacked. I, mean, I said yep. that uh, uh, Paul, M- Paul McCartney wrote a children's book. And so I guess he's been out doing some PR. You know, and you just see these these photos and videos of Paul McCartney standing in front of these giant, like 150,000 yeah, <laughs> he's been doing it since he was twenty-one or twenty-two years old. It's so crazy. Yep. No, it's it is crazy. It's just like now I'm like, you know, I wish I I wish I would have studied marketing when I was younger and not been such a snot-nosed idiot. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And look, I think it would be a lie to say there's also there's always lady luck in this stuff. Always, you can because mm. you can you can do everything right, and for whatever reason, it still doesn't go. Um, the other thing I think about a lot, and I've thought about this with my own podcasting and writing, because, you know, I started a completely new thing at, you know, I don't know, 47 or 48 years old, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you definitely have these moments of, hmm, um, should I keep doing this? <laughs> oh, yeah. Does that ever go away, Jace? No, no. But I mean, some some people could say that's imposter syndrome. You're on the you're on the right path. Should I be here? Are they going to come find me and kick me out? And you know, true people who know what they're doing and have imposter syndrome just work through it. And some people just don't actually have the skill, and they are imposters. So, walking that fine line is where you stick to it and keep going. So I'm glad you stuck to it and keep going. And uh, well, I mean, I'm you're you started. You said you uh, redid it forty seven forty eight. Yeah. Um, I redid it at 40 after a, tw- or, uh, something like that. I'm, I'm bad at math. I was only a computer programmer. I can't really do yeah, that. That's okay. We don't have to worry <laughs> about math around here. <laughs> no, but I turned 48 next weekend. So I'm like, I don't want to change it again. But if I have to, I know that it's not the end of the world. So eh. I, don't sleep, I don't lose sleep at night knowing, hey, if, if I need to find a new career, I, I can, you know. Well, there, for me, and look, I was in a... Uh, a wonderful situation. So look, but, but for me starting all over at that age as a writer and then now as a podcaster, um, you know, it was fascinating to have uh, had some level of success and gotten to where I got and then be a complete nobody. Like and nobody <laughs> gives a fuck. Like nobody, like, you know, I'm, I had a reputation in, in a small little sliver of the world, but outside of that small, <laughs> gave a shit and it's it's sort of cool to go from being at least this teeny part of the world where you're at least a little bit of a somebody to like you're a fucking nobody anywhere (laughs) liberating isn't it well it's liberating (laughs) it's interesting it's sort of it's 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 the i don't know the psychological equivalent maybe of getting a job at mcdonald's at that age you know it's like uh or when i started to travel you know, as a surf bum. And when I was an executive, I looked a particular way and I had a particular kind of luggage and, you know, and I got treated by the world a particular kind of way. And when you're going on a surf trip and you show up at the airport and you're in flip-flops and board shorts and you got a bunch of surf gear, the world treats you a different way. And so optics, you know, and perceptions uh, are massive. And so, yeah, when you step out of this world where you have some kind of reputation and you move into a world where you're literally a nobody and nobody could give a shit at all, that's a fascinating thing to do. See, I love that feeling. I love that feeling of going to be nobody. 
It's like, that's why I love like going to foreign countries where I don't speak the language. And, you know, I look like somebody, I'm not a local. Nobody knows who I am. I can be completely anonymous. I can just be myself and nobody cares. That feeling I love. It's when you go into a place nowadays and people might know who you are. That's what gives me anxiety. I hate that part. Mm-hmm. I love the part of being anonymous, except, you know, when you're trying to sell ads, it's not, not a good thing. But <laughs> Well, the, the other thing I love, see, I'm, I can be a petty person sometimes. And there's been a couple, one, one I really, that stands out to me, uh, sort of guests that we wanted in the first year or so proactively reached out to and got rejected in a, you know, less than, less than nice way. Maybe not completely terrible, but certainly, you know, there was a little bit of an elbow in it. Right. And there's one in particular, it happened multiple times, of course, but there's one in particular. And then you know, about six months ago or four months ago or something like that, this individual's PR people reach out <laughs> and try to get him on the podcast. And I'm like, oh yeah? And I was actually lighter in the response than I would now wish I had been. <laughs> yeah. They don't actually know why I said no. But anyway, I know that makes me a horrible petty person. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It makes you normal because I've been in that situation many, many times. <laughs> Booking well, guests with Jordan, I, I know that feeling. You get the FU and the FU. I'm like, who are you? Why do I care about you? Oh, no, no, no. And then eventually you get the, you get the numbers and then people come back and say, hey, you know, we'd like to have so-and-so on your show. And we're like, yeah, not really feeling it right now. Enjoy your book launch. Good luck with the next one. Let us know if you have something in the future. Yeah, there's, there's part of me that does that. Um, and Look, if the person sort of rejected you professionally, like we have to say no a lot and mm-hmm. we don't do what a lot of people do, which is, oh, you know, we just recorded a bunch of shows right now. We're not going to be recording for a while or, or you know, they, they give you some bullshit answer or they say, oh, you know, why don't you contact us in six months or like, you know, it's a no, they're not being, they are not being straight with you. Right. And have you, and so, have you read my text expander snippets for me? Getting rid of guests? No, no, no. Tell me. <laughs> oh, I think you, I think you just ran through a couple of them right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sorry. No, but see, gonna... what? I try, we try to be straight with people and say, Hey, look, uh, you sound awesome, but you're not a fit for us. And yeah. you know, we wish you a ton of success. Like I, I don't know how else to put it. Right. I, there's just, we can't say yes to everybody. There's people that fit and people that don't for one reason yeah. or another. Sometimes they're a good person, but we just hit the topic or whatever it is, right? Um, yeah. But we try to be straight up and say, and not do it in a shitty way, right? Because I don't, I, what other option do we have? But anyway, I have been- it's, Yeah, it's, it's better to be honest. It is definitely better to be honest, but sometimes there is, you know, there's just, sometimes you just want to turn the screw a little bit, <laughs> you know? Like you wasted our time with three hours of a crappy show and now you want to, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Now, why do you think CPMs are dying? What do you think is going on in in advertising now? Well, here's the thing. Look at the flood of shows. Everybody wants to have a show, everything CPM based. It's, It's the same thing as publishing and blogs and websites. It is, it's going to go to you know, clickbaity headlines, clickbaity podcast titles. Everybody's trying to get a slice of the pie to get those numbers up. And when you talk about CPMs on podcasts, it's like, it, it, it's just this whole thing with everybody coming into the business, flooding it, flattening out the market where it's really hard to gain traction in the market now. 
because there's so many new shows. There's so many, there's, there's only so many hours to listen. And I've been dealing with the CPM based model for the entire time I've been in podcasting. And it is getting harder and harder and harder. And the ads are getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And this is exactly what happened when I used to run a blog network. You know, because I ran a blog network. Just bidding their CPM number down. Is that what's going yeah, on? It's, it's a race to the bottom. It's the typical race to the bottom because, okay, we're going to need every, like the advertisers are just going to prey on you because they're like, okay, well, I can get a better deal over here because now there are more CPMs. When podcasting started, or there's more, there's more, you know, listens per, you know, per unit per month because there are more podcasts. So it flattens out that trend line. So advertisers can pick and choose and get better deals across, across the market. And this is literally what happened. I watched this happen in blogging because I was right in the middle of it. You know, I was with Federated Media and we had you know, a top tier sales team with John Battelle and all of his people. And I, just, I watched it from the front lines. I ran that company for eight years and it got run into the ground because everybody started a blog and everybody started selling ads and just lowering their rates, lowering their rates, just to get a piece of the pie. You know, it's just huh. like, you know, okay, normally, okay, this, this would be a, you know, a $10,000 campaign. We'll take it for $2,000 because we just need the $2,000. And then it just, everybody started to eat each other. And so that you think that's what's starting to happen in podcasting? I can see that happening starting. You just very bits on, little bits on the end because the, since, you know, growth is flattening for a lot of shows, because there's there's just there are so many new shows. Everybody wants to check them out, so they are dropping off other shows, not listening as much. It's going to happen. I just that's my prediction. I you know my prediction is that's going to happen, and I like the model of like you know just a sponsorship. It's like okay, I'm going to do X amount of shows. You give me a bucket of money. I'm going to make that show for you. Promote it till the day you die. I don't care. And this is the way, thing. I this is the part I don't understand. And look. I mean, you'll tell me, I, I don't, I don't know how much of an outlier um, this makes us, but my attitude is exactly where you're at. Look, we'll share with you roughly where we're at and mm -hmm. whether it's on the charts or the downloads or whatever. So we're not, you know, we're not trying to play any hanky panky and, and, and say we're something we're not or whatever. But at mm -hmm. the same time, you also got to understand what we're about. And you also got to have an appreciation for who our listener is because mm -hmm. I know for a fact, we just did our first survey and we could tell from, you know, some of the analytics, mostly Google analytics, if you assume who comes to the website is who listens. So, you know, things along those lines, we can certainly tell by the emails and the tweets and the LinkedIn notes and all that stuff. You know, we have an extraordinary type of individual who typically listens to this, right? Mm -hmm. And so anyway, long story longer, my position is um, you either want to be associated with us or you don't. Yeah. And the numbers matter at some level, but mostly they don't. Because you want to, you either want to be seen with with us, or you don't, and it costs this much. And oh, by the way, you got to commit to at least a quarter, or you know, there's no point. Um, mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, we're not going to give you weekly reports or any of that bullshit. If there's any material change in in something, we'll let you know. But like, we're not playing any of that nose picky reporting game. We don't got time for that. Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> love this when people first email and ask about sponsorship. What we sent them back is we say, well, right now we're not taking on any new sponsors. But that said, you know, tell us why you think we might be good partners and um, let's start the conversation. So we start with a no and mm -hmm. see how they respond. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because to your point, around. we don't want to play any of these games. You either want to be associated with us because you think it's cool 
um, and it's a good idea for your brand or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have, you're not selling them. It's like, Hey, can, can you give us money so we can promote you? It's just like, why don't you give us money so we can, you know, it's just like you flip it around. I like that. Because right. And the other thing, by the way, is if you have any feedback at all about what we're doing on the podcast, you're out of here. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I know where that's going. <laughs> you're yeah. out of here. Don't even start. Don't even, don't send an email. Don't open your mouth. I don't want to hear one suggestion, not one about anything, period. <laughs> Zero. Oh, and the other thing we're not doing, we're not doing any fucking ads in the middle of the, the conversation with the guest. Right. Right. You and I are not going to sit here now and say, and you know, Jason, what I want to tell you about this, this new left-handed nose picker I just found. It's automated. It's a new <laughs> IoT device and it tracks how much nose picking you can do with your left hand over time. There's not, I mean, there's no fucking chance. <laughs> yeah. Amen. If you can get away with it, that's fantastic. A lot of shows can't get away with that. You have to do the mid-rolls. See, this is the thing. This is the thing I think people don't understand. It's the mantra, position yourself or be positioned. So if you put yourself in a subservient position and you're begging for business and you're acting desperate, then people are going to take advantage of you. If you say, hey, listen, you know, there's some, there's some rules about how we do shit around here, whether yeah. you like it or not, right? We have this thing called standard. The other thing, and Joe Pine pounded this into my head. He described the, he was describing the problem with Facebook. And he said, the problem with Facebook is the users, not the customer. Mm -hmm. And the only path out of hell for them, these are my words of what he said. So <laughs> I'm taking some license yeah. is to start charging customers and stop, to stop taking advertising. If yeah. his opinion wasn't that, it was in that direction. Mm -hmm. So what, I, what I've tried to think of as it relates to uh, podcasting is the listener is the customer. And even though the sponsor is paying, in my head, I have to stay grounded in that. Um, and so I have, to, I have to think about what is the experience I want as a listener and then try to deliver that and not fuck shit up because somebody's going to pay you money. Right. No, I get you. And that, that, yeah, the Facebook pay us thing, we've been covering that on Grumpy Old Geeks for six and a half years. We're totally on board with that. It's like, yes, you are, you are the product and all that. And I, there, there are a couple models here. I love, I love that you can do this because you came out of the gate firing on those cylinders. You're like, no, fuck your mid-rolls. We're not doing that. We're not going to interrupt this conversation because our guests are so good and we're delivering such a good message that this is where you get to, this is where you get to join the conversation. You get, you get spots here, you get spots here, not here. That's fantastic. I'm glad you had the balls to do that because most people don't. And going back from the other model to your model is really hard, really hard because when you're doing a show that has mid-rolls or, you know, multiple mid-rolls and you're going to change that format, you've already sold that show for months in advance and you've got contracts with all those advertisers. So what you have to do is you have to think like over a year out probably to be able to change that model. And if you're on a network, forget about it. That network is what dictates where those ads go. You know, it's one of those things where you have to be independent to do that. You can't be on a network. You can't be beholden to a certain model. You have to come out guns blazing. So I'm, I applaud you for that. That's fantastic. It's, it's really hard for other people to just take that and switch it on its head, though. 
Yeah, that that I understand. Once you are where you are, you're probably going to stay where you are. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or, or said another way, there's there comes a time in every person and every company and maybe every podcast life where its current position is its biggest barrier to growth. Oh yeah, yeah. I, so I, I just I, I'm looking at the the next six months of Grumpy Old Geeks, and we're like, you know, it's like ah, I'd like to change things up a bit, but we've got you know, we're sold out to the end of the year on on. 80%, I think. That's awesome. And, but it, the problem is it's all prepaid. So we'd have to give the money back if we wanted to stop and change the format. So it's like, okay, now we've got handcuffs. You, on you have a very different kind of show though. I, 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 would, I wouldn't necessarily be worried about a mid-roll on, on your podcast. It's a very different. No, I'm not worried about the mid-roll. but I'm is in segments. Yes. No, we're built for it. Yeah, yeah you we're built, built for, it. Built for and it. And it flows in. It's not an... It's not a fucking interruption in, a, in, in the way that it is in the middle of a guest conversation. No, I get that. I get that. But if we wanted to move to a, a sponsor-only model where it's like, okay, you buy a block of shows. You, you're going to buy our first quarter and you get this many shows that first quarter. You're going to be our only sponsor. Yeah. If we wanted to do that, we have to start doing it now and then figure out what we're going to do. Because what we've run into is when you sell all those spots, you are beholden to a schedule. Yes. You have to hit that schedule. Yes. And that's come to, you know, glaring light this week when I got sick. Right. Well, and, and we had to dump a show. Current, right? You're talking about shit that's currently going on. So it's not like you and Brian can sit there on a weekend and, I don't know, bang out a bunch of shows and have all this inventory. <laughs> it doesn't right. really work that yeah. way for you. Well, the thing is, we actually could if we wanted to do evergreen shows like we used to do in the early days. We'd pick a topic and we'd just talk about the topic. And there, were no, there was no news in the early days. It's like, yeah. our yeah, first show was... still do some of that. Yeah, yeah. It's just finding topics nowadays is really hard that we don't cover every damn week. But getting back to the shifting, the shifting thing from CPMs, it can be hard for established shows. So I want people to think about when they're coming in with new shows, think about either doing something that's more like CPA, cost per action, or affiliate marketing. If you can't get people out of the gate, start with affiliates. Because... We started with affiliates on Grumpy Old Geeks about three or four years ago. And if you get a good affiliate that compounds with renewals over time, that has turned into more money than we make on Patreon and advertising from one affiliate. And so break it down to me like I'm a, you know, not that intelligent eight-year-old. Okay. So we started doing uh, a VPN called Private Internet Access. So we were like, okay, we like these guys. Sign up for them. And over time, they sign up. And then every year when people who signed up previously renew, we get a percentage of the renewals. That stacks Got up it. over time. So as it goes, it almost, you know, it just grows and grows and grows. So like we started out with just, you know, okay, hey, we got 30 bucks this month from the VPN. Okay, let's keep doing it. And, you know, moved into 100, whatever. And, you know, now we can get like almost $1,000 a month from barely running any ads for the VPN because it's all compounded in the past. And it's growing. Because you have that on, like I understood the affiliate link piece. What I didn't understand is the ongoing ka-ching piece. Yeah. yeah so then I'm awesome. just, yeah, I'm just saying that's a way for new podcasters to like start making money without having to sell their soul to the CPM. So the other model I've heard of, um, and if I'm, I don't want to misrepresent it, but Mm -hmm. I think Chad, the, the folks at the mission, Chad and Ian do it this way, but I, I might be wrong. But anyway, the model I've definitely heard for some new podcasts is you essentially pitch the podcast. Maybe you have a bunch of them in the can. 
um, and you go, you go drum up two to five sponsors and they pay for the creation of the podcast right out of the shoot. So you're sort of selling sponsorships out of the shoot. Um, now you have to have a track record in doing podcasting to pull it off. Um, mm-hmm. But it's an interesting way to think about it is to try to actually gain some of the cash, if not on the absolute front end, maybe some people are able to do that. But certainly midway through the production of the first handful of them, when you've got sort of a sample show to, uh, to market to people, right. you've got to come out of the gate with, with a bit of a, uh, a cash cushion, so to speak. No, that's cool. It's like making a pilot and taking it to a network and getting getting cash to make the rest of the shows. Yeah. And, and in this case, the, 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 the advertisers are almost like venture capitalists in that way or, or bankers, yeah. you know, but they're, they're paying for the inventory, but they're essentially, essentially they're pre-funding it. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's a great idea. And I know that uh, my roommate and I have been writing uh, proposals for new podcasts to, with that exact same model in mind. <laughs> so yeah, it could very well be that you end up writing the equivalent of a book proposal or you know a movie proposal, and and you shop it and you look for commit. In, in your case, I mean, you go directly to advertisers or a network, depending on what you wanted to do. But I think you'd probably go directly to advertisers and pitch twenty five and get five to ten or whatever the number is, and have a funded show out of the out of the shoot. And nowadays, you can take it if it's a if it's a limited run series. You can take it to a Spotify or I I don't know about Luminary. I don't think they're going to be around that long. But you know, some of these networks, Apple's jumping in with you know they're putting money into the the ecosystem. So if you want to run a limited show and not run an, an evergreen podcast, you can keep going and drag you down every week. And just like okay, I'm going to make you know ten episodes of this show. We're going to spend six months on it, and they're going to be amazing. And you sell that. That's a business model right, right there. You're still in podcasting. You're still making shows. And then those get released eventually. I mean, there is a fine line there with, is that a real podcast? Or are you just making audio content, an audio book for another service? But if you're in podcasting and you're looking for a way to make money because your podcast isn't working and you have the skills to make audio, that's just another way to you know put bread on the table as far as I'm concerned. Now, I've, I've had... I had a lot of thought about that and I thought, okay, that a podcast. And the more I think about it, the more I'm coming to Jesus about, you know what? That's still making great audio that people can listen to and eventually it'll get out to the public. So why not capitalize and why not make some money? Like I told you, I'm turning 48 next week. So (laughs) I'm looking to make some money. (laughs) It really, you know, your, your morals become fungible when you're retirement. (laughs) Now be careful, handsome. (laughs) (laughs) But it is an interesting thing. And I mean, if you go back to the early days of television, why were they called soap operas? Well, they were called soap operas because soap companies funded them, right? Yeah, that was the first advertising. Yeah, and those were native ads, right? Because mm-hmm. they were embedded in the show, right? So, I mean, this is, this, is a, this is not a new model we're talking about. But interestingly enough, um, to the best of my knowledge, you would know better than me, hasn't been applied at scale to, you know, to podcasting. Yeah, with uh, the native ad thing is definitely not because everybody sees the CPM as easy. They, they see that's the way to do it. It's like, okay, I make a podcast, I sell ads, boom, done. You know, nobody's thinking about how to get creative with it because nobody knows because people just come in and see what's been done. They, they're they not really in the business, you know? It's just like, 
they get a crappy course on how to podcast and they jump in and then they don't look at that the kind of thing. You would know way better than me. I mean, obviously, uh, you worked with Tim Ferriss. And you know, if you think about some of the big, what you might call independent podcasts, Tim Ferriss, Mark mm-hmm. Marin, um, uh, you know, of course, Joe Rogan. Um, I don't know if you want to or, you know, want to talk about Jordan Harbinger. But like at that level, those guys aren't playing a CPM game, are they? Uh, they are. Uh, Jordan doesn't fit in the first three because those guys all came with built-in audiences already. Jordan didn't come with a built-in audience. He built his audience from scratch. But looking at yeah. Tim, Tim came in with multiple best-selling New York Times novels. Yeah, uh, Joe yeah. Rogan came in with multiple TV shows and a, a stand-up career. Um, oh, by the way, on TV, pretty much every month on the UFC in front of millions. Yeah, exactly. So these guys had built-in audiences. So you're separating. You can't put the two in the same bucket, I think. But in the one bucket you can put them in, everybody's playing a CPM game. Um, I know Tim is. I know Jordan is. Um, I had heard Tim was not playing a CPM game. He was, no, he is playing a CPM game. You pay me X thousand. That, that fell on its face. He's already pulled it. It lasted. It, it's gone already. And Man, everybody, I, I, I don't was, want to speak the I, number, but it was a giant number. He was saying you got to commit to it was X an episode, and you got to got to commit to at least two episodes, and it was a very big span. And I was looking at that, going, "Wow, big time!" <laughs> he he couldn't pull it off. Yeah, no, he's like, okay, we got you know the fans funded this, and we're going to give all the fan stuff that that they asked for, that like all the rewards. But he's just like, we're going back to ads. We're going back to ads. So that whole that whole fan paid version just fell flat on its face, and it fell very quickly. That was yeah, it was like weeks then, right? I think it was maybe about a month and a half, two months. So that, but it wasn't the six sure months. I understand what he was doing because um, I only just recently heard about this. He he wanted to stop the advertising and have a fan supported uh, podcast. Is that what he wanted to do? He wanted to go fully fan supported, and uh, yep. It and just how much was he going to charge for being a subscriber to the fan-supported version? You know, it's gone now, so I can't go find the the yeah. original. Be interesting so, to know. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it's tough because, like, one of the ones I've just discovered recently that I'm absolutely falling in love with is Masterclass.com. Oh man, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I've been a like a all-you-can-eat subscriber for Masterclass since they started. Oh, well, I'm late to the party then because I only heard about this recently. And I immediately, I want to say, don't quote me, but I want to say it was about 150 bucks for a year. Does that sound? I'm grandfathered in, so I think I'm only paying 99. But even at 199, it's a steal. So, Uh, Well, for 150 bucks a year, you can learn writing from Margaret Atwood or basketball from Steph Curry and everything in between. I, and and it's I think they've done a really fantastic job. And so and look, some are better than others, and whatever, whatever. But it's fucking insanely great, right? If you think oh, about yeah. the value of like the top ten percent of TED Talks, like I think these are way more valuable. And I'm not shitting on TED Talks; I think they're wonderful. But this thing is incredible, and it's only 150 bucks a year, or whatever yeah. it is. And so yeah, at any I, price, it's it like. It's worth it. You know, have you, I just signed up for the Penn and Teller course. I started to watch some of the, they're teaching you how to do magic tricks. And I'm like, I'm a huge Penn and Teller fan. So I, I got that one, but you already get them for free. That? Neil Gaiman teaching writing, all sorts of stuff. Tom Morello teaching guitar. Are you um, kidding me? Steve Martin teaching comedy. Right. <laughs> so, <good> <laughs> yeah. So yes, go to, you know, 
masterclass.com slash lockhead and sign up today for your 10%. Yeah, no, I have no, this, <laughs> I would love it. Hey, if you guys are listening, give me a call because uh, you'd be perfect. I love you. I'm a huge fan. But um, my point though, getting back to Ferris is yeah. if, if that only costs that, like what would you charge? Five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month? Like, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of the standard Patreon model when you think about it. It's like you go and you set your premium and that, but it's like a Patreon-only version without a, you know, front-facing version. It, I don't know. Actually, no, he did have front-facing. There was no difference, really, I think, between the live show that he was putting out and the fan-supported show. I think everybody got the same thing, except maybe they got a T-shirt or a, a call at some point. He was, he was basically trying the Patreon model, but on his own. Yeah. Um, and, and as a Patreon, I mean, you do this blend, right? There's Patreon, and of course, you have ads, and um, so you're sort of uh, multi multifaceted monetization. Yeah, and it's it, everybody does Patreon differently. I think some people have you know rewards. You can sign up for one dollar a month, get a thank you email from us. Five dollars a month gets you no ads in the show. Ten dollars a month after six months, you get a T-shirt. All this stuff. And some people just say, give us five bucks a month and then you can listen to an after show that we do. There's all sorts of different things. Nobody's really landed on the perfect way to do Patreon yet. But uh, it's just one of those things where you can make money from it, but it, you shouldn't, that shouldn't be your only revenue, I think, personally. But some people are trying it. Some people are, some people are making it with that model. That's the thing. That's why podcasting is great. You can have multiple models, but... I just, you know, like I said, when we started this conversation about the CPM, I think that's the one that is the most destructive to what we're doing. Well, look, it's what competing on that. Um, I think you're right that it's a race to the bottom. And um, some people are going to, you know, kill the goose that lays the golden egg, right? You, you got to take a stand. And so... Um, you know, look, that may mean we don't get a bunch of business. I don't really give a fuck, right? The, yeah. To me, the whole point of podcasting is the joy of doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you and I probably aren't doing this if there's no podcast, right? And yeah. I know for sure, Carrie Walsh Jennings isn't going to sit down with me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and then I, uh, much to my surprise, I mean, I just didn't really think about it. I, the joy of kind of interacting with listeners is, is fantastic. Uh, way more than I ever could have imagined, uh, and readers for that matter. Uh, it's, it's, it's getting harder and harder to keep up. But like, you know, when somebody sends you an email and says, hey, I think your shit's awesome, that's fucking nice, right? So anyway. Yeah. Um, no, there was a tipping point on Grumpy Old Geeks where we, you know, we kept, we have a, a feedback section every week where we get letters from fans and they ask us questions and send us links. And that when we hit the tipping point where we couldn't answer everything on a show, it was just like, wow, this is cool. We actually have fans that want to listen. And it's like, you know, you interact with them anyway and all that. He's like, eh, sorry, this one's not going to make the air. We got too much stuff. That's yeah. a good problem to have. I like yeah. that problem. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, I don't know. I, I, think, I think mindset has a lot to do with it. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, I did want to talk to you about this thing here, switching topics, this Disney rant that's been going viral. Did you see this? I haven't seen this. Do tell. Okay, so this is on CBS News. The headline says, Childless millennials have no place at Disney World and should be banned. Tired what? mom <laughs> rants. And so this mom 
got on, uh, was it Twitter or Facebook? No, I think it was Facebook. And then it went viral, I think both on Facebook and on Twitter. And this gal on Twitter, whose who's, who's Twitter handle is, uh, or his Twitter name is Famous Millennial Slut. God. <laughs> Post this thing. Anyway, this is what the mother writes. And I won't read the whole thing, but she says, it pisses me off and there's lots of caps to no end when I see childless couples at Disney World. Disney World is a caps family amusement park. Yet these immature millennials throw away their money on useless crap, as opposed to, I guess, parents throwing away their money on useless (laughs) crap. Then she goes on to say, they have, in caps, no idea the joy and happiness it is to mothers who buy their babies treats and toys. They will, and she goes on and on and on. And then she uses the C word. She says, this C word, see you next Thursday, in some very slutty shorts was buying a Mickey Mouse pretzel and Aiden who I assume is her child, wanted one. But the line was very long. So, and then she goes on and on about how she wanted to, quote, take that fucking pretzel from that tramp. And, and, and she goes on and on and on. And she's just losing her mind over um, these, these people who go to Disney World with no children. I have not seen this. This sounds fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I before I start, what side are you on? Are you on the side of the millennials or the the psycho who wants a pretzel? Listen, this is America. Anybody who want, who pays the money and wants to go to Disney World, I don't know why you want to. I'd rather shoot myself in the head. But that's <laughs> me. I've been to Disney World, and there. Listen, I'll, I'll I'll admit I've had fun there, but I don't want to go back ever. Anyway, that's my choice. If you want to go to Disney World and you pay the money, go to Disney World. The irony to me about this is if you don't like the lines, complain to Disney for letting too many people in the park. Yep. Right? Like it's it's not the it's not the customer's fault that the place is busy. It's like showing up at a busy restaurant and saying, Well, we can't seat you for two hours and starting to scream at all the assholes eating dinner in the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, you made good food. Now <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. If you pay your money, you want to go, you should be allowed to go. Who cares? Who, like, and who, who's to say who's allowed to go and not to go? Exactly. Because if, if I was running Disney, I would say, leave the goddamn kids at home. I hate children. Just let the millennials in. They're probably going to be much more, much more well, pleasant I mean, to be around. Thing, I think this is true. I'm not an expert, but I think you can pay like an additional amount to like go to a shorter line or whatever, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You can VIP pass that. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, this is America, man. Some people fly first class and some people like, I don't know, figure it out, lady. (laughs) Oh, God. Just because you're in steerage on the Titanic doesn't mean you get to bitch about it. Sorry. Not everybody gets a pretzel. That's America. Get used to it. (laughs) Not everybody gets a pretzel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, the next one I have for you is, uh, let's see, where was this posted? Is this TechCrunch? Yes, everybody's favorite TechCrunch. Um, uh, the headline says, Siri recordings regularly sent to Apple contractors for analysis claims whistleblower. And this article claims that the Apple is secretly sharing uh, our audio recordings with some of their third-party companies, according to The Guardian. Um, what do you think's going on here? If you didn't think that was already happening, then you're naive as hell. 
that's the way it is. That it's already it's already come out that Google does it, that Amazon does it. Why did you think anybody else wasn't going to do it? If they're listening, I want to know. I thought I heard you say you were the founder and CEO of LA Analytica. Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah. We're gonna. Are you analyzing this? Are you analyzing this data? Is this you, Doctor DeFilippo? Could be. Could be. Gone to the dark side. Oh yeah, that's 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 all I do all day. I I analyze people listening for the word podcast, and then yeah. So the article goes on to say, like all the other companies, Apple says this data is collected and analyzed by humans to improve mm-hmm. its services and that all analysis is done secure in a secure facility by workers bound by confidentiality agreements. And like all the other companies, Apple failed to say it does this until it was forced to. Yeah. I, I, push me over with a feather. Not stunned. Now these Knew this was happening. Advertising, was it, I can't remember now which conference it was at, Jason. In the last, certainly in the last year, but I think maybe even the last six months, they had billboards up at one of the big, was it CEE or CES? CES. CES across from like the Java booth or the Google booth. Yeah. Said yeah. What happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone. Yeah. Remember yeah. that when there was this, there was some Samsung breach. And so they were yep. thumbing their nose at Samsung. And then we they find. They just did it out. again. They just did it again in Toronto across from the, uh, the smart city that Google's trying to build. They did it again. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you know. Glass houses, guys. Glass houses. Well, Even if it's a thing, glass house, you still got to... What's gotta, the ramification? What's going to happen to Apple now that this has come out? Not a damn thing. What happened like, to Amazon after it came out? Nothing. Well, and, you know, I got to ask you while we're on it, what do you think about the Facebook $5 billion fine? Too low. Way too low. For what they've done, it's it's nothing. It's That's coffee creamer budget. It's I'm pretty ridiculous. sure. Let me see if I can pull it up. The highly exalted uh, Scott Galloway says the same thing. Yeah, the reality is compared to uh, their cash position, compared to their revenue, compared to their profit, um, it really, it's crazy to think that a $5 billion fine is not that big of a deterrent. It's not because look at what happened. They said, hey, we're going to get fined $5 billion. We already squirreled it away in the cookie jar. Then their stock price went up and he even helped offset that $5 billion. Yeah, I'm just looking. So here was Scott's uh, tweet. He says, does anything scare Facebook? No. Fines are meant to be a deterrent. But the FTC fine was an encouragement to Facebook. Stock went up. In effect, FTC is a co-conspirator finding (laughs) two weeks worth of revenue. Yeah, that's, that's that's the stance uh, Professor Scott Galloway took. Yeah, it's a cost of doing business for them, and it's a, a very low cost of doing business. For as much so, as they're pulling in, it's nothing. And so Apple's probably not going to suffer anything for this. No, because yeah, last I checked, they've got go. more money than Facebook. So, I, I I believe I could be wrong, but I believe they have more cash than any company on planet Earth. That's that's what I mean. So it's like there's. Okay, a few people listen to your Siri messages and we have the wrong wording in our TOS. Here's a new TOS. Suck it up. File a class action lawsuit. You can have your 21 cents and we'll go about our business and keep doing things the way we do. You know, would you like to get Siri to get better or would you like to bitch about it and have have a quarter for, you know, a cheap coffee? Yeah. And we had uh, uh, Morgan Wright on recently, the security guru, and uh, we, we were talking a little bit about FaceApp. I can't help. I know it's maybe, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I'm dying. 
to see what you thought of the fact that the Russians were harvesting our faces. Here's the thing. I listened to him rant about that on the show. I was listening to it this morning. Okay, and great. I think it's a tempest in a teapot because all the pictures of you are out there that anybody needs to get anyway. Most of the accounts that post these photos are not linked to anything. It might be linked to an IP address, but a mobile IP address. The, the amount of you know, backtracing to figure out who the people are from these accounts. I, I guess they could just scrape all of our Instagram accounts anyway, our Facebook accounts. Or- everything's out there. This is a tempest in a teapot. It doesn't matter. All the servers are on the US. Yes. Okay. They could exfil them out, but who cares? Who cares about this? This is useless data. You know, it still doesn't it? It doesn't creep you out that the Russian government more than likely has millions of people's facial recognition, like a perfect shot of their face. They can get that on the internet already. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I'm sorry. <You> can, <laughs> they could go to you know any site on the dark web and get all these DMV records that are out there. It's that is such a small thing that they need. It's like no. They care about their voting. They care about our voting records. They care about a lot of other things, but a picture of who you are? No, because they're looking at numbers. Yeah. Like, okay, I want to see people in this district that are going to vote this way. And what's their Facebook ID? How can we, how can we manipulate them? What, what you look like? Who gives a shit? <laughs> Nobody cares. It, they're not training their their facial recognition AI because you're going to go break into the Kremlin and, you know, set a dirty bomb. No, they don't care about that. They care about your behavior and your your demographics and how they can influence you. Having a picture of your face means fuck all. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. And the counterpoint to Morgan has been delivered. <laughs> um, now, I also wanted to ask you about this sort of uh, in a similar genre here. Uh, the Wall Street Journal talking about deep fakes trigger a race to fight manipulated photos and videos. And particularly as we're heading into the election here, they're saying startups and government agencies are researching ways to combat doctored images ahead of the 2020 election. And of course, the scary thing, and actually Morgan touched on this a little bit, is particularly with videos, although I guess it could be as inflammatory with a photo, but you know, Imagine a doctored video of the U.S. president saying something uh, that could cause horrible actions. I mean, how do you feel about sort of fake video and fake photo taking over the Internet this next election? Are we, are we too worried? What do you think? Sky is falling. Little chicken literally. But uh, there is, there, I mean, there are valid points to it for not just, you know, saying, okay, here's Barack saying this or here's something like that. He made a very good point about, you know, a general sending orders to, you know, a crew saying stand down and things like that. But that's generally not how generals talk to their people. So getting, you first have to get into a system to do that and then get a video of him that is close to real time, fake it in real time. And it, it, it's an implausible scenario, I think, that he was, he was stating. I think it's a very implausible scenario. And I think that there are ways... I came up with six different ways last night to, to, you know, talk about live video to stop a deep fake from a live video. Very simple stuff. But it's about, you know, recorded videos. So, I, look, this is, I can get into really technical stuff about this. I don't see this as a huge issue right now. People are Even scared of it. The success of the you know, uh, Russian hacking and fake news and all that sort of stuff. You don't think... 
No. Some horrible video that said whoever that you know whoever Hillary Clinton likes to eat you know dead mouse babies or I don't know you know some crazy yeah, ass thing and there's a video of it. Don't I don't I I think I think once this gets to a certain point, common sense is going to prevail, and we will have technological solutions to get past this because there's they're not perfect. It's not a perfect science. And there are triggers on these that you can see where like hairlines don't line up. The, the Gaussian match doesn't happen on the face just right or things like that. So you think between so, technology and quote unquote, the wisdom of the crowds, people call bullshit on this stuff pretty fast. I think what's going to happen is that there's going to be a, a revolution in common sense because that would be awesome. <laughs> wouldn't that be fucking fantastic? Uh, because if you, if you, everything gets down to the point where you can't trust it, then you really have to come up with new trust mechanisms to actually validate the things that you're seeing. And it, to this point, we, everybody's been dipping their toe in the water, They're dipping their toe in the water, you know, about, about these deep fakes. But when things really start to come around and people are like, I can't believe anything I see anywhere on the internet, then there's going to have to be a sea change on how things are delivered to people and how you can trust and verify the things that you are seeing. So I do believe that there will be, might take a little while, but a, a common sense revolution for people to understand the things that they might see are bullshit. I mean, you still get stupid email threads, but people have gotten wise to those. So I think, I think down the line, we'll get this sorted out. But since this is such a big deal, I think it's going to get sorted out faster than you expect. Yeah, we have less Nigerian princes in our email boxes than we used to have. Yeah, well, I mean, you still can't engineer around stupid, but uh, you can try. You can try. Now, I know how much you're a pet lover, and I thought this would be a fun one. It's not really technology related, but what the hell. Um, this article from the mirror here, the headline reads, um, now, you have two dogs. Am I remembering this right? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yeah. And so we, have, we share a love of animals. So the headline reads, woman inseparable from giant pet snail that she loves cuddling on the sofa. I saw these pictures. I saw this article. Do you see how this giant snail is cuddling? Look, there's no other way to say it. In the middle of her cleavage here. Yeah, yeah. And it's a big-ass snail. I mean, (laughs) how big would you say that snail is? Ah, It looks to be like, I don't know, like a, it's got to be a good, like almost foot long. Yeah, like a a hamster-sized snail. Bigger than that. I thought it was bigger, bigger than that. It's, well, it depends on how petite she is, but it looks like a big snail. <laughs> it's a big ass snail. It's a big, and she's cuddling it in her bosom. Mm-hmm. That's what's yeah. going on here, isn't it? <laughs> well, maybe the air conditioner's off and she needs a cleavage cooler. So, yeah. And then she's got multiple photos of it with her in multiple outfits and cuddling on the couch. And, and so, um, it's hard to separate this one from the onion. It really is. It is. The snail looks very cool. Like it's a gigantic, I've never, I didn't even know this, this happened. Yeah. It's, it's a neat animal. It's a very neat animal. It's not something I would really kind of want to snuggle with. Seems probably a little yeah, bit. So I, I wonder are snails, the new <laughs> ferrets, is this, is this going to be a thing oh, now? Let's hope the other thing I heard on a side <laughs> note the other day, maybe I'm the last person to know this. Have you, have you heard about these giant goldfish and the problem they are? Mm-mm. So apparently what happens, I think, I think this is up in uh, Oregon somewhere, but apparently it's a problem in multiple places. People take goldfish they don't want anymore and they flush Mm -hmm. them down the toilet. Right. And apparently the goldfish being in the bowl is a, 
constraint on its growth. Yeah, when yeah, it's that's out of the bowl. It can grow grow to the like bigger than a uh, 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 you know a softball, like a big ass you know mid sized fish. Well, yeah, I think goldfish are basically cod, aren't they? I thought they were like a generic fish, but they're uh, like you look at giant koi ponds. It's kind of the same thing. They're big ass goldfish. Yeah, and so like there was a point in time where they were a problem in uh, like Tahoe, and I didn't know about that. And and so people have to stop flushing their goldfish because they get huge, and then they start becoming an invasive species. (laughs) Well, do they? I mean, I guess they don't taste good because otherwise, just go fish and eat them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. I'm reading here. I'm on Wikipedia. Starting in ancient China, various species of carp, collectively known as Asian carp, have been bred and reared, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And they, so they get, so don't flush your goldfish into Lake Tahoe. That's the moral of the story. Yeah. Your cat needs a treat. So there you go. (laughs) Now, is there anything else you want to touch on before we wrap, Dr. DeFilippo? I think I'm good, man. Yes, we got past our technical limitations and got some good stuff here. I think I think I'm good to go, sir. But it was well, great talking to you. And soon you're going to be. Uh, well, I don't know when this comes out. This might be coming out long after uh, your upcoming appearance on uh, Grumpy Old Geeks. No, we'll pull this one forward, given that there's a bunch of topical things. So um, okay. I don't know exactly. We'll have to check the schedule. I'm not allowed to be in charge of anything. But this one will, will come out faster <laughs> I wish than I normal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I will absolutely look forward to being uh, on Grumpy Old Geeks soon. And um, whenever this comes out and whenever the episode I'm on Grumpy Old Geeks with you comes out, I'll make sure we link to this in the show notes. Excellent. Excellent. Great talking to you today, man. Thank you, brother. Well, there he is, the living legend himself, Jason DeFilippo. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Now, my friends at NetSuite want to help you master your growth. Growth is an incredible challenge. It's something we all want in our business, but of course, it comes with a ton of challenges. They are offering you a free one-hour growth review with an expert in your industry. Uh, NetSuite has tailored capabilities for almost every major industry. And so when you visit netsuite.com different, you'll be able to set up a time to spend an hour with a growth expert in your industry to talk about opportunities and how you circumnavigate challenges. Uh, Things like cash flow management, responding to market changes, new distribution channels in this omni-channel world. And, you know, the other thing that becomes more and more critical is budgeting and planning. NetSuite is awesome for planning and reporting. That's why about 65% of the technology companies that have gone public of late are running NetSuite. Because NetSuite facilitates both company-wide and departmental financial planning with powerful modeling capabilities and approvals and reporting. What that really means is your whole company can collaborate with each other on the planning, budgeting, and execution that's required to build a legendary company. And that's certainly what I hope that you do. And that's why I've been stoked that NetSuite has been our founding sponsor. And so if you want to plan your platform for growth, if you want to get your arms around the uh, financial planning and reporting that's required to be a legendary business, visit netsuite.com slash different. That's netsuite.com slash different. All right. We would like to thank. Well, first, I want to start where we, I want to end where we started by thanking you for making us one of the top 200 charting podcasts on planet Earth 
I'm stunned. We're all stunned. I don't even know what to say anymore other than thank you. Uh, check out Grumpy Old Geeks Podcast. Um, this is one of my top, top podcasts. You can find them at GOG.show or anywhere else and hit that subscribe button. Anywhere else you get legendary podcasts. Speaking of legendary podcasts, you can also check out um, uh, uh, Jordan Harbinger show with Jason DeFilippo, one of the top podcasts in the world, anywhere you get podcasts or at jordanharbinger.com. The nonprofit onelifefullylive.org, helping you dream, plan, and live your best life. Go to the number one, lifefullylive.org slash C Lockhead with two H's. And there you'll be able to find out some special information about our upcoming event this October in beautiful Long Beach, California. I'd love to see you there. A book that I love by an extraordinary woman, Dushka Zapata, one of my favorite people on planet Earth, one of the most prolific and impactful writers. Uh, and this book's called Someone Destroyed My Rocket Ship and Other Havoc I've Witnessed at the Office. <laughs> Pick up a copy on Amazon.com today. GrowWire.com. It's what legendary entrepreneurs are reading. Check out GrowWire.com. GoBundance, a mastermind group of legendary male entrepreneurs who are grabbing life big. This is an awesome group of guys. I'm stoked to be associated with them. Uh, speaking at their annual conference this year, check out GoBundance.com. Now, are you in Australia? Do you want to do some legendary marketing? My friends at Rapid Media can help you. Check out rapidmedia.com.au. And a nonprofit that I love, the Front Row Foundation. This outfit delivers moments that matter for people facing the most challenging thing that you could ever face, which is the potential of the end of your life. And having been part of the Front Row Foundation and helping them fund an incredible experience for somebody facing this situation, um, it's incredibly moving. Check out my friends, frontrowfoundation.org. And again, look for my new marketing podcast. If it's not out yet, it'll be out soon. Lockhead on Marketing. You can find it at L-O-C-H-H-E-A-D.com. Hit subscribe and we'll notify you when it's out and it will be available on all major podcast players. All right, today's information is provided to you solely for informational purposes. And this podcast is the sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network. All rights do remain perturbed. We must warn you that the information in this podcast should not be taken without the express written consent of a medical professional. Remember, support your independent podcasters. Pick up a pair of John's Crazy Socks. They have an awesome subscription service. Sign up for that while you're there at johnscrazysocks.com. Tell two people you love about two podcasts you love. Remember, about half of America still hasn't listened to a podcast. Help them out. Listen to the amazing music of Robert Earl Keane, only by pasture-raised free-range eggs. Thank you, Candy Dandy. I love you, Mom and Dad. And hey, Colin, this podcast really ties the room together, doesn't it? Today, our deepest apologies goes out to James Altucher. Sorry, Jimmy. We just ran out of time for you. That's it, my friends. Thank you so much for investing part of your life with me. Stay legendary. And until we're together again, follow your difference.